This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is bigger than Watergate. Well, this is earth-shaking, and it does go deeper than Watergate, and the memo doesn't deeper answer it all Watergate. by any means. How but is it deeper than deeper Watergate? Deeper than Watergate. The elite media is part of the deep state. Watergate's like stealing a Snickers bar uh, from a candy store, a drugstore in comparison. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. You know, I care and care too much about the hijack of America, the formerly beautiful by a far-right lunatic who answers to a hostile foreign power, and who has sown our amber waves of green with salt. That's our eponymous president, Donald whatever. But Putin and his stateside allies and agents have also sown our people with information napalm. And as a born and bred internet citizen, I've been watching this catastrophe in slow motion, and it's been incomprehensibly demoralizing. It's as though the Russians distributed the smallpox blankets of psyops from sea to shining sea, and every American without immunity is cognitively compromised. If you talked about the Nunes memo last week, if you're still talking about it, you may have the virus. And I'm chagrined to confess I got infected. It lasted about three days. I don't want to talk about the memo any more than I want to talk about how the moon landing was faked. But this release the memo hashtag went from social media to traditional media, which, like everyone else, has a hard time telling news from influence operations. So today we're not talking about the memo. That memo is a content-free dud. But the meme, release the memo, is another story. So our topic on Trumpcast is the meme. We are releasing the meme. My guest today, Molly McHugh, is an expert on information warfare, and she doesn't just decry the war on truth. She anatomizes that war. This week in Politico, she tells us about the insidious meme that saturated the media last week and then drove news cycles and actual highly consequential events. I'll be back in a minute with Molly McHugh. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Joining me on the line is Molly McHugh, one of the ranking experts on information warfare at New Media Frontier. She trained as a political advisor in the Balkans, where she saw this stuff early and firsthand. Molly, welcome to Trumpcast. Hey, thanks for having me. As you know, you're one of my favorite new internet friends. And why don't you just tell me once and for all what you do for a living? (laughs) I wish I knew the answer to that these (laughs) days. I've sort of morphed from being an advisor to governments in, in the region, sort of around Russia, that are interested in reform and security into something else, but I'm now focusing primarily on kind of the broader aspects of Russian information warfare and the impact it's having on political systems. Um, And you've introduced into the discourse, at least for a first time for me, the expression computational propaganda. What is computational propaganda? It's a really cool phrase. I, I did not originate it, nor would I take credit. If nothing else, I think the credit for it goes to the Oxford Computational Propaganda Program, but it may have existed before them, too. The basic concept of computational propaganda is you have new information and communications technologies, uh, you know, much of it underlaid by sort of data-driven analysis and artificial intelligence and machine learning layered into social media and other means of communication. The, the point of which is to manipulate perception and impact broader cognition, so how we make decisions, how we think about things, with the goal of changing behavior. But the idea being that the new tools available through how social media can rapidly get information in front of people in ways that we're not so concerned about where the sources or where they're coming from is having a really big impact on our perception of our nations and ourselves and the world. And we probably need to pay more attention to how all of that is happening. So one of the ways that in recent weeks, an influence operation has trickled up to the mainstream media with very little self-reflection is around this Nunes memo and in particular the hashtag release the memo campaign. This This was a seeded hashtag that got support in ways that can be measured, can be that it is computational propaganda. And you've done this amazing piece in Politico to explain, even succinctly explain, how Release the Memo got distributed. Tell us about it. Many people would argue that 4,000 words is not that succinct, but thankfully Politico gives me space, which is why I publish with them. Um, it's a really interesting campaign, and, and that, it was the reason that we decided to dig into that one. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of attention around it right now, but it was such a great example of how this stuff works and the blend of the elements involved. And there had been a lot of sort of sloppy references to, oh, it's bots, oh, it's Republicans, Twitter trying to argue that it was this organic Republican campaign, whatever. That I think we really you, felt it warranted. you actually corrected me in DM. I, I think I said, <laughs> yeah, no, I th- that was right, though, because you can jump to the idea that if release the memo shows up on the Hamilton 68 dashboard as something pushed by Russian influence operations and in particular bots, then that's all it is. But what you've done in this analysis is show us how there are volunteer bots, how there are trolls, how there are sort of hybrid elements that seem they're like cyborgs or something. They're like part human intelligence and part robot that end up uh, distributing 
this kind of hashtag, which then, like secondhand smoke, ends up influencing the mainstream media. So yeah, yeah. So t- so tell me about the hybrid. You you rolled in on DM and said, "Careful, it's not all. It's not <laughs> as though the Kremlin just says release the dogs, release the bots, um, release the memo." Um, yeah, and it is a, sort of a hazard of the Hamilton sixty eight dashboard, which I'm a humongous supporter and fan of which is it monitors a specific set of accounts that are known amplifiers of Russian narrative and propaganda, which is not to say it is, you know, writ large capturing the entire uh, Twitterverse. You know, if you say Republicans are amplifying X and Russians are amplifying X, those two things can be true together. And I just think it's important to clarify that because every interview I've given this week has has been everybody saying it's Russians, right? And the answer is, unfortunately, it's not. And I think that was the part that we found scariest in some of this is the willingness of actual fervid Trump supporters to slave themselves to these information campaigns in ways that I just find really stark and sort of cynical. But I think one quick point is um, just on content writ large on Twitter and Facebook and the way that some of these fake accounts have built following and built narrative and sort of worked out over time, sort of the standard Soviet-era propaganda tactic is kind of the 90-10. So 90%, if you're trying to embed yourself in a community that you don't belong in, 90% of the time all you do is reflect the content around you Hmm. um, and say exactly what everybody else would say. And the other 10% of the time is kind of working your narrative into that mix. And I think a lot of these accounts kind of fit into that space, which is kind of what's interesting. Um, We tried to figure out the best way to tell the story of this. And I think just the sheer volume arguments of of where information was coming from wasn't enough. And so we kind of looked at the accounts that were playing together at the beginning of this. And first, there's a random guy in Michigan who's a guy with no following who we confirmed as a real person. But, you know, he's a very avid Trump fan, a very big supporter of many of the far-right media narratives from Breitbart and InfoWars and Drudge and other things. but And you know. know this by going back on his Twitter feed and seeing if he tagged Pizzagate or tagged, you know, Hillary's health. So or, yeah. boycott the NFL, a lot of the things that you would track in the last two years as sort of the far-right Hannity drumbeat of the day, he's definitely posting on and commenting on and has not particularly been a big generator of hashtags, but um, is is involved in sort of reposting content and replying to accounts and sort of making comments on things, things like that. So consistent, he hears about this memo that's meant to discredit the FBI, um, we assume, on Hannity or in passing on one of the right-wing sites, and then decides to create hashtag release the memo. Not show the memo, not release the letter, but release the memo. So there's a group of Republican congressmen that the the afternoon of, of January 18th started talking about how this memo is so critical and it needs to come out. And they were sort of doing it in coordination. None of them were using the hashtag. Matt Getz, who is a a very big Trump supporter from Florida, Mm -hmm. went on, I think, Fox Business, gave an interview around 340-something, talking about this memo, how it was going to be this great blockbuster thing. It was going to blow everything open. And the Michigan guy seems to have been posting something in response to the interview that he saw and then included the hashtag, release the memo. So he sort of made that up himself. So he has no uh, followers. First use. This guy has, you know, vanishingly small number of followers. So how to how does it So he has 74 followers, okay. but at least four or five of those are Russian bots. And one of the okay. Russian bots, which were at least 
I would say it's 100% a bot, but it is 95% certain to be a Russian bot, given the way that the account is named and how it tweets. One of the accounts that follows it from the botiverse <laughs> replied to that tweet and said, oh, we just heard about this. You're the first one who seems to be tweeting about it, and then reposts his thing. And right around that time, other bots start noticing this hashtag. And I think that's really a critical aspect of bots that we don't really talk about. We talk about bots reposting content and amplifying content, but the, the sort of machine learning aspects behind a lot of these accounts are very sophisticated. And if you sit down and talk to Facebook and Twitter people about how they've seen some of these accounts work, it's really creepy because a lot of them do actually seem as if they are real people. But they, they gather intelligence. And I think in this case, it's very clear that this particular bot um, that was mentioned in the article, Karen something with a bunch of digits, mm -hmm. it was following a lot of people like this guy, random nobodies in swing states who are Trump supporters. It followed a bunch of other bots. It followed a lot of far-right media. But the purpose of the bot was monitoring the far-right information landscape in the United States. And you can think of the Michigan guy as, you know, virtual guy in the diner, the taxi driver that journalists would talk to uh, when visiting Iowa to talk about politics, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here's just a guy on the street I'm talking to who has something to say about this. But that guy was very much that. He was a, you know, sort of red-blooded, quintessential Trump fan in the middle of nowhere in Michigan. I think, you know, months and months ago, I asked you if a concerned citizen is trying to figure out bot or not, what are what are some of the things that she can do to find out the way you do with complicated analysis that something like release the memo has been amplified by robots? Um, the the which piece of which hashtag is amplified by what math is extremely hard to do, which is partially why we didn't want to get into it. You can see the bits that are automation, particularly in spikes in traffic, um, more than you can define it out by account name. Um, and in this one in particular, a lot of the amplification was happening before any of the big personalities were engaged. So Hannity, Ingraham, all of these Republican congressmen, you know, the president, the president's son, whoever else would normally be a big amplifier of some of these campaigns, none of them were engaged until almost midnight or after. Um, I think Hannity's first tweet on it was at like 3 a.m. Or maybe he was the next morning, Bill Mitchell was at like 3 a.m. But I mean, n none of the big drivers of content were engaged in the first 12 hours of the thing where it went from nothing to 250,000 tweets an hour. Right. And that tells you right there that this is not some organic, normal uh, spread of information. Um, in the piece, we compared it to the volume of tweets on the Women's March and on one of the play NFL playoff games, because if you compare it to things that you know are actually real, where there are actual humans involved in them, yeah. who are super uh, interested in those topics and really engaged in promoting them. It, this is four or five times that amount of traffic. And four or five times the like million-person women, original Women's March? Uh, just the, the most recent one, so the one that was uh, ah. two weeks ago or whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a perfect way to get a baseline for, as you say, an organic campaign. So Karen... Uh, she, yes, she's, Karen the bot. She, the Karen the bot. I, I don't know why I'm calling her she. Um, bot uh, Karen 19138585. Um, totally real to me. Yeah, exactly. Um, has, as you say, an eight-digit fingerprint associated with some Russian bot accounts. I'm going to leave that on you, but that's how this kind of analysis works out. Um, well, people smarter than me have done good analysis on that and have said in the past that uh, some of the bot-generated things from Russia tend to have that eight-digit 
not, not all of them certainly, but the ones that have the eight-digit thing seem to be from the same group of sort of account generators. There's also some for ISIS that use that same thing, which is also interesting. Hmm. But, um, but yes, that I mean, we know the account is a bot, and it most likely seems to be from the lane of bots that resembles the Russian bot. So I'm feeling fairly confident in calling it that. But it was also it was a super interesting account for a lot of reasons in terms of it was set up a long time ago. It was totally inactive. It became active right around the time in summer 2016 that Jim Comey identified as the period when most of these Russian operations started. It's full, you know, the traffic and volume sort of builds up a little, but it becomes really active in October 2016, right before the U.S. election, posting dozens of things and YouTube videos a day. A lot of it was this content that the Russians were pushing, and none of it was really pro-Trump. It was all just anti-Hillary, you know, Hillary Clinton seizures, Hillary Clinton financial concerns, Hillary Clinton conspiracies. So, again, I feel very confident saying that this is what this is. Um, But the parts of it that are more disturbing are almost the way that these accounts try to build identity for themselves Mm -hmm. that makes them believable. So this thought would occasionally tweet stuff about Florida, like it was clearly supposed to look like it was a Florida person. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, from, in the piece, you say that some, sometimes they, they say they're from swing states or they appear to be from swing states, which is also interesting since going back a ways, it, Michigan and Wisconsin seem to have decided the election. So that's no accident to get that bandwagon feeling that Michigan's for Trump. Yep. And this, the Karen account, you know, so there's the occasional tweets about Florida, sometimes posting photos, which if you go back and look at them, none of them are from the same phone, none of them are taken by the same type of camera, like clearly it's not one person's photos. But the, the, the fact that they're attempting to create and verify an identity for this account by making it seem as if it is from a place, and the one that kind of pissed us all off, uh, and it's something that we've seen a lot, I mean, one of the one of the categories that the Russians have spent a lot of time digging into and emulating is sort of fake service members and fake veterans. They love mm. to say that they're Marines and Marines, especially they, they seem to think is a cool thing. Um, but there's lots of veterans, uh, fake veterans wives. Um, but the new category, someone clearly got a hold of some world war two archive, but a lot of these bots post photos that they claim are their fathers or grandfathers. Mm. Um, but it's like old world war two service photos that who the hell knows where it came from, but it, it, it makes me mad. <laughs> that, that yeah. They're, that they're using these things and uh, abusing the legacy of men who fought for our country in order to propagandize Americans. So then you talk about, and it always interests me that the word robot, uh, I think, is derived from a Scandinavian word for slave. So slave is one of the words you've sort of introduced in the lexicon into the lexicon with this piece. You talk about a Twitter user who goes by Queen Kofefe. She's, of course, we all know how to pronounce Kofefe in any case. Queen Kofefe, <laughs> um, who is a real person. She is identifies herself as a nutritionist and a hemp oil promoter. You found that this person exists. She's even one of the people who gets interviewed for profiles of Trump supporters. But she's chosen to voluntarily, as you say, enslave herself to this campaign and deliberately participating in the effort to amplify the reach of Release the Memo. This one we really weren't sure about until we dug into it, because the only thing I could initially find that seemed to be identity verification was a LinkedIn profile, and the Russians also use LinkedIn for all sorts of intelligence crap, but they, there are a lot of 
personalities that they have established over time on Facebook and Twitter that they do not want to lose. Part of the way they attempt to verify those as actual humans is to create LinkedIn profiles so that when people Google them, there's sort of something that comes up that makes it look like they're a credentialed human being. So we were a little uncertain about this one at first, but but it is in fact a real woman in South Carolina. But that was the part that was really interesting is she clearly knows what she's doing. This is not a young person. It's not somebody who you think would be particularly media savvy, but at some point was convinced that this was something that she could do to support a political ideology and a candidate that she believed in. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of sort of online collection recruitment and, <laughs> and coercion in this space, but sort of voluntarily joined these lists and groups that automate their accounts uh, to re-promote content from specific places to follow accounts that will automatically follow them and sort of create the same type of structure and feedback. But she in particular is an organizer. I mean, she only has 5,000 followers, something like that. But um, uh, she's connected to other accounts that have hundreds of thousands of followers that amplify her content immediately. So this network is fairly well built. And there's a lot of these. Uh, So I think that when Twitter says, no, this seems like it was a Republican thing, there's some truth to that. I mean, there are for sure real people in the mix, but this structure of essentially the human bot is something that the far right slash alt right has built very well over the last two and a half, three years. And we have not really paid attention to it. And it is really aggressive. And in the same way that what the Russians have become extremely good at doing is taking a fringe idea and pushing it into a mainstream and making it seem like it's more real, generally for the purposes of weakening a security environment or sort of inflaming divisions within societies. This is the same thing here. So Release the Memo gets into Paul Ryan's hands. He's targeted, uh, before he talks in favor of releasing the memo, using that exact expression, release the memo, he's been targeted, you say, with more than 225,000 messages about it. And then it's in Trump's hands. Then all of a sudden, the president of the United States believes that this fringe, I, I don't even I, I don't even want to call it, well, campaign, sort of self-styled movement to release the memo is something worth doing, is a, is a build-a-wall, you know, kind of rallying cry that Trump can use and ultimately force the revelation of something that could have consequences for um, national security. And he's been advised against doing by our FBI. And that's the, so there's sort of three things that we look at when we're looking at these campaigns. Um, You know, if you want to decide is this something to look at or not, it's, is there automated amplification and does it seem to have purpose? But the three things, once you answer those questions are, you know, what is the amplification? How is it working? What does it look like? What is the targeting? In this case, it was very specifically to Republican members of the House Intelligence Committee, sort of Republican uh, pro-Trump members of Congress, like the ones who are constantly on TV flacking the president's agenda. Mm -hmm. Later, it was the Speaker of the House um, and then far-right media influencers. So Hannity, Drudge, stuff in that space. And it's the targeting. And then the third is uh, is organization. In this case, the organization was the hashtag. Like getting all of these people who were previously tweeting about the memo with other things, FISA memo, release the mm-hmm. document, you know, FISA gate, all these other hashtags all became organized behind release the memo. And getting them organized into that space was part of the automation and amplification and uh, ensuring that all the content was sort of behind one stream was really important. One of the accounts named in the piece is 
like Cam VTV or something. And I guess it's a person. I have no idea. She's got hundreds of thousands of followers. She claims to be Hawaiian. But whatever that account is, I think she's got a YouTube feed, so presumably a person. But whatever that account is, um, it is often the first verified Twitter user amplifying a bunch of these Russian-ish automated hashtag campaigns. So um, just to wrap up, one of the things that drives me insane or the thing that drives me insane is not, you know, we imagine there has even in the Obama presidency, there's been an echo chamber on Fox News. There's been an effort to move far right discourse into whatever I was going to say the mainstream, but whatever Fox News is. But now something like release the memo you and I, you know, both show up on MSNBC. I think you've d- you do CNN sometimes. Release the memo. You know, I went into MSNBC the other day. Every single hour was devoted to the memo. Yes. Is the memo valid? What you know? And people took a lot of time. Smart people took a lot of time to call it the memo. You know that there was nothing to it. Spending time talking about how FISA warrants are derived, Carter Page's culpability, expressing more terror that this was um, a teeing up firing of Rod Rosenstein. And all those moves were buying into the hashtag as critical as they were of this campaign, as critical and hilarious as they were about the non merits of the memo. We still had been pulled over to talking about the memo, which was hardly a memo at all. It was just a hashtag campaign. Absolutely. And that is how these campaigns work, is they sort of capture the national discourse for a period of time and pull these... I mean, it would have been as if everyone was talking about Pizzagate on real TV for weeks at a time instead of after the guy showed up to try to shoot people. But I think that there's sort of two aspects of that that are terrible. We allow this crap to bleed into the way that we discuss our country far too much, that is really troubling. But I think the other aspect that is equally troubling is the media landscape of that lane is that all the time. And uh, a brief blip on the post-release the memo moment was that train crash um, in West Virginia of the Republican train heading out to their retreat or whatever, a group of accounts that were involved in the release memo campaign started tweeting out a conspiracy about how it was like Hillary Clinton's garbage truck, you know, that was trying to kill the guys who voted to release Mm -hmm. the memo. Thankfully, that didn't really go anywhere. But that is what that media space is like all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, to live in that kind of saturation of constant conspiracy, the belief in frenzy, the belief, like totally against the state uh, the system, whatever you want to call it, is so incredibly damaging to the fabric of our society. Um, and it's not just on the right. There is also a smaller but very active uh, emulation of this on the left in the Bernie bot community. Mm-hmm. This is something we really need to address. And right now, our leadership, not just the White House, but our Congress and others, uh, other leaders in our society that we look to for guidance and uh, sort of moral foundation are very much silent on all of these issues. And you know, as you um, say, I don't know why that is. Yeah. I mean, as you say, the idea that if we're going to at all combat the siege, we need to know we're under it. And uh, I'm so grateful for this kind of analysis that you do because it reminds us not only that this is still going on, 
that we've done almost nothing since 2016 and since it emerged into consciousness that, you know, this kind of information warfare happens. We've done almost nothing to arm ourselves against it. Your piece is called How Twitter Bots and Trump Fans Made Hashtag Release the Memo Go Viral. Thanks so much for being here, Molly. Thanks for having me. That's it for today's show. Trumpcast is produced by Jason DeLeon. Now, do you know what at real Trumpcast is? That's our Twitter handle. And we welcome anyone, even our brothers and sisters in the bot community, to follow us at real Trumpcast on Twitter. I'm Virginia Heffernan. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.